this man is always generous with his time and hopefully features prominently on the program like he did last year for the first time in 2024. Josh Gavlich from AFL.com.au. Gabbo, thanks for joining us again. Hello, Kane. Good to talk to you again. Plenty going yeah. on. Yeah. yeah. We'll, we'll get to that. Because it's busy. Okay, we'll, we'll get to that in, in a tick. You've had a big off-season, though. You've been you've been everywhere. What, what's it been like observing what the, the clubs have done in pre-season? I know that's been a big focus of yours and a key to what you do and the way that it sets up your year. Uh, what have your observations been like from all the clubs you've been to? Well, can you know I like getting out and about in the summer. I think you may as well stay well clear of the office for as long as you possibly can because there's plenty to gain from being out at clubs and with no win-loss and premiership points on the line, you get a lot more time from people at Clubland and get the opportunity to go on a, a couple of camps, which has been great. I went away with the Bulldogs and with Hawthorne and just got to see them up close. So it really mm. does set yourself up for the year. And I like all the changes inside football departments, not just on field, football departments as well. And there have been plenty of those across the place this year. No bigger than the, the dogs. So you, you've you've been there, but you've also had a, a pretty extensive interview with Amit Baines, the CEO, which went online yesterday. Um, look, they're, they're, they're pretty confident. Not that uh, any club that would be asked at this time of year wouldn't be, but they've denied that there's an unworkable relationship between um, the coach and, and Chris Grant, the footy manager, who is now in a different role. But, but how is the optimism levels at the Dogs? Because no club has gone through more change than them this off-season. He was really strong, wasn't he, Amit Baines? And I did put to him, has there been a falling out between your senior coach, Luke Beveridge, and your head of football, Chris Grant? And he's adamant that that's not the case. There's, there's clearly have been a lot of changes, and with change comes friction. And I think if you go back to September, October, it might have been a little bit more uncomfortable than what it is now. But the changes that they've made, and they've made some significant changes around him with Matt Egan and Jaron Geary and Alex Johnson, Daniel Pratt, and then a new high-performance boss as well, Brad Johnson, who's come back. There's been so many changes, and that's amid two reviews. They did the internal review, and then Peter Jackson came in and did his six-week review. So I found them the most fascinating club across the preseason because of all these changes, because of Luke Beveridge and and his status in the game and his contract status going into this year. But I think they're, I think they're in a much better place than what they mm. were at the end of the season, just because of these changes. And if you think back to Richmond in, in 2016, they made some significant changes around Damien Hardwick in terms of his assistant coaches. And look what it did for them. Now, I'm not saying that the Western Bulldogs are going to go all the way this year, but it's going to be really fascinating to see what impact those changes have on the club. Gabo, I've been critical that... Um... Uh, not for the first time on Luke Beveridge, but in particular, just the fact that he's been largely invisible this offseason. And nearly every other coach has given pretty extensive access to the media and by extension, their fans. Luke is one of the exceptions to that. I'm sure you've put your request in to speak to him. Uh, are you surprised he, uh, I guess, has gone missing from a media standpoint this offseason and preseason? I have put a request in. The only reason I'm not surprised is because he doesn't often speak in the preseason. I think we'll hear from him pretty soon. I would have liked to have heard from him given all the changes that they've made and it's been really significant. I thought it was great to hear from Amit Baines given his involvement in all these changes. I don't think it'll be too much longer before we hear from Luke Beveridge but you're right, it's this time of year where we start hearing from all the coaches so it's going to become really glaring if we don't hear from him in the next week or two. All right, um, let's talk about some some action. You've uh, The Pies, I, I guess, have just wrapped up, have they? Uh, what was the standard like? Uh, Kingy's tweeted that they were a bit leery and uh, perhaps playing with too much flair. What were your observations? I was sitting next to Kingy and there was a moment that prompted him to do this when 
Ash Johnson had had a great start to the game, got the ball in the goal square, and rather than just kicking the goal, he waited and waited and dished off to someone else who kicked the goal, and it really infuriated him. But has to be said, Ash Johnson was really strong, and I, I suppose the big selection decision at Collingwood at the moment is how to replace Dan McStay. And Ash Johnson's mm. clearly one of those players that's in contention. I think he finished with three goals today. Reese McInnes, I, I would have said before today, was ahead of him on the body of work across the preseason. He's really made significant inroads, but he was really quiet. Nathan Kruger stepped up. So can't forget Nathan Kruger in this discussion around replacing Dan McStay. So that was interesting. Finn McRae was probably the standout, especially in the first half. Mm. He was really impressive. So obviously he's been starved of opportunity under Craig McRae. And he played twice, three times in his two years under fly. And, and he looks good to go. Obviously no Taylor Adams. So there's a spot up for grabs and he couldn't have done much more today. Bobby Hill, first time we've really seen him in, a, in match practice since that Norm Smith medal performance. And he kicked four goals. If, if Finn McRae wasn't best on ground, Bobby Hill wasn't far off. So he was really impressive as well. Uh, we know Craig McRae is going to take a back seat during the, the pre-season. Where did he watch the game from? Was he hands-on or did he hand it over to the assistant coaches? No, he wasn't too hands-on. Uh, Jordan Ruffhead and Scott Selwood both coached today. He hasn't been too hands-on at training across the pre-season, but he, he did that last year as well. He does hand off and delegate to his assistants. So, yeah, he wasn't too involved. They've got their season launched tonight, so we're going to get a bit more clarity. And I can tell you right now that they have made a change to their leadership group. Isaac Quainer has come into that four-man leadership group with Taylor Adams departing. So mm. big big sign of his, his status in the club. Young man at 23, signed that five-year extension, and he's just been promoted. So a, a big sign of where he sits at the club. So give us the four. It's Quainer, it's Moore. Who else we got in there? How? Brayden Maynard and Jeremy Howe. So there's, there's three remain from last year, and... Isaac Quainer is the addition, so yeah, big boost for him. All right, let's talk about uh, a couple of... Oh, just just finally, a, a question on Lockie Schultz. He didn't take part today. Any other notable injuries out there? Um, Josh Dacos, the other one, probably? Yeah, Josh Dacos is just a, a minor concern at the moment. Uh, he's just had this lingering calf issue that's just just lingering. So just a bit of a watch on him. They, they think he'll play some match practice. They've got North Melbourne next week and Richmond the following week. So they'd like to get at least one of those games into him heading into round zero. Lockie Schultz, a bit of a scare early in the week with a knee foot. There was rumours swirling. He's okay. He trained earlier today. He'll be back in full training on Friday. And obviously, Harry Demetrio, that's the one that came out mm. earlier in the day. He's going to be sidelined for, for up to three months with that finger tendon injury. Not a, not a, if you're going to get an injury, it's not a bad one to get the finger tendon because you can still keep your conditioning up. And look, there's been big raps on him. I've interviewed him once and I thought, this guy sounds like a captain already. Like that's how um, impressed I was with him. Did you get that impression as well? Yeah, I spoke to him at the combine and I couldn't believe I was talking to an 18 year old. It's yeah. just incredible uh, how mature he is for that age. And I, I do remember listening to when you spoke to him. He's represented Australia at. Uh, cricket and indoor cricketing captains in the country and indoor cricket at 12. So he's been on this path for a long time. They know they've got a ripper. It's a shame because he was on track for maybe not a, a round zero debut, but a very early debut. So it's a little bit of a shame with that one. Mm, all right, let's talk about some other clubs. Uh, you've had some news on the Tigers. I'm always fascinated with their health, and it's not usually for positive reasons. They seem to get struck more than any other club, particularly with soft tissue. Uh, they've all had their fair share of soft tissue. But tell me about Josh Gibkiss because they need him to hold up. 
Well, he's the most interesting one, isn't he? Because he burst onto the scene in 2022. And we haven't seen him since the elimination final in that year. He had a really complex hamstring issue last year. He had that tendon rupture and had surgery in January and, and still hasn't played since. He went to Qatar just, just in search of answers. They were just left scratching their heads. But he's done the full program post-Christmas and he's going to play for the first time in nearly 18 months on Sunday when they face Melbourne out at Casey Field. So big boost. For, for Richmond, they, they think he's good to go come the start of the season. Dylan Grimes was the other one, Kane, who has had this calf issue that's just lingered across January, barely trained mm. this, this year, but he was back in the main group today and they're pretty confident that he'll be good to go. And with Noah Bolter moving into attack and, and, and that shift, they probably need Dylan Grimes early, especially with Tom Lynch if he's going to miss the first week or two, maybe a little bit longer. So Dylan Grimes is an important one too. Yeah, he's been a bit shaky, unfortunately. Certainly was uh, last year and, and, and certainly wasn't at his best. Um, a couple of other ones, Prestia, there's always a watch on him with his hammies. How's he? Yeah, he didn't do the full session today, but they think he'll play the second practice match against Collingwood. So they think he's okay. Tom Lynch, obviously really interesting one, hasn't played since round four. He returned to full training on Saturday. He's done three sessions now. They're just going to be conservative with him. He didn't run at all for nine months with that broken foot. So mm. they're confident that he'll play early, but they're not going to they're not going to risk soft tissue issues, which can happen coming back from such a long term injury. But he trained fully today, so if, if it's not round one against Carlton, it wouldn't be too far after that. Uh, I was neglected to mention Nathan Murphy. Was there anyone officially from the club speaking about how they're going to manage this? And, and did that news today surprise you at all? It didn't didn't surprise me. I mean, he was medically cleared in December from a concussion panel and has done the full pre-season. Hasn't suffered a setback. He spoke today, so did Graham Wright. They probably would have become really good at this. They get up ahead of stories and they explain where situations sit. Nathan Murphy essentially just said he, he doesn't have the mindset at the moment to deal with match-related training sessions. So he's... There is a question mark on his future, clearly, given he's had 10 concussions. It's been a long time since that grand final right now, and he's not going to feature at all in these practice matches. Doesn't have a return date, but he did say today he hasn't contemplated retirement at all. He's just working through getting his mind right so he can compete and play games. So we don't know how long that's going to take. And the interesting thing is, what do they do in terms of replacing? They've got a couple of defenders that have trialled across the pre-season. Josh Ayres, one of them, who's just broken down. Sam Sofranides is another who played quite well today. So does that change how they go with the SSP with that deadline looming next Monday? But really impressive uh, performance media-wise today from Nathan Murphy, but a tough situation. Great unknown whether he comes back after becoming a Premiership player last September. Yeah, concerning, no doubt about that. Hey, mate, you watch as, as much footy as anyone, particularly the, the training sessions as well. Who's impressed you the most as a club? Like, who's hardened? Who's ready to go? I think, you know, Kingy spoke last year about Collingwood and forecast their improvement off the back of their preseason. For you, who's made that leap this year? It's hard to compare clubs. I've spent a lot of time at Hawthorne. I cover Hawthorne really closely and, and have really enjoyed watching their preseason up close. And, their midfield depth, I mean, we saw last year the, the real emergence of Will Day and John Newcomb becoming a legitimate star of the competition. James Warple got back to his best. Connor Nash came third in the best of the So they've got a whole other wave with Cam McKenzie and Josh Vaughan and Henry Husswaite. So pressure for spots at Hawthorne. For a side that finished 16th, it's really fierce. I reckon they bat till about 
30 on that list. So I've spent a lot of time in and around Hawthorne and been intrigued by their forward line set up by the inclusions of, of Chole and Gunston and Ginevan and Watson. It's a really different looking club. So I'm looking forward to seeing how they go. They've got two practice matches against the Western Bulldogs. We've got an intra-club tomorrow at Waverley Park in the morning. So I'm looking forward to that. But Hawthorne are just an intriguing watch. I don't know if they can spike from 16th to September, but I reckon they're going to surprise a few more clubs this year. Yeah, they're they're on a nice path, no doubt about that. Did you notice Ginevan out at Collingwood's Inter Club today? I did. I just uh, walked past a few people that said he popped in for the for the second half, and he was well received from 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 all reports. So That's amazing isn't it? that uh, he moved clubs only a matter of months ago, and back watching the Inter Club ahead of his Inter Club tomorrow. But a lot of excited Collingwood supporters, they love him. They still love him. I mean, they're always going to love him. Yeah, yeah, he was really well received. So I think you'll see some pictures on the news if they're not already live right now, but uh, he wasn't missed, that's for sure. Okay, he does things his own way, there's no doubt about that. Hey, can I can I get your premiership prediction out of you? Oh, I haven't thought about it, but I I just love the build at Brisbane over a long period of time, but I just feel like they're primed. I love the acquisition of Tom Duda. He might not be at his best, this year, but I do think he becomes really important with no Marcus Adams. So I really like Brisbane and what they've done over a long period of time. So I think they'll be stinging on the back of a four-point grand final loss. So I like the lines. Yep. Gabbo, you've had a big day. We'll let you go, mate. Appreciate the update. Thanks, Gunn.